Okay, welcome to episode 45 of the Never Iron Anything podcast, a podcast where a guest chooses a comic, a series or creator to discuss and we then pick apart whatever he's chosen or she's chosen. This week we have a returning chum, a podcaster, the voice behind the Mega City Book, book Club and the Handful of Dust podcast. It's Eamon, Eamon Clark. How you doing, dude? You right? Hi, Tony. I'm fine. Thank you. Fourth time's the charm. I know. Look at this. Yeah. Super yeah. regular. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. And we've got episode a secret. 45, our, our favourite president. Yes, exactly. Yeah, very interesting yeah. times, isn't it? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> the um, we uh, we do have a secret because we might be recording two this morning, so we, we might be we rolling on two. We did one. one of each. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. How, how's it? How you been getting on since I last spoke to you? Oh, I've been fine. Yeah, keeping busy at work and uh, busy podcasting as well. I'm trying to keep up with my comics at the same time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? We read so much for the podcast. I sort of. I spend like a morning or something investing myself completely in the subject that we do on here, and you kind of get yeah. lost in it a bit, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good. You do a lot of research, which is great. Yeah, that's I find it fun. Well, that's the fun part, isn't yeah. it? I think. That'll be yeah. chance, I guess. So, yeah, so there you go. So what did you decide we should read this week, dude? So uh, slight, I think this one's slightly unusual, but it's also yeah. great fun. I've chosen Calvin and Hobbes uh, by Bill Waterson, specifically the 10th anniversary book, which I like because it's got notes from the creator himself and a bit of process. And you and I like talking about a bit of the process. Don't we, we do, yeah. And I really, yeah. I re- oh, thank God you said Waterson as well. I've, I've, I've been saying Waterson for years, and then I watched some really annoying YouTube video where he called him Watterson. I so I just kept thinking that can't be right. Can't but be right, uh, yeah, no. Watson. Everyone else seems to say Watson, so I'm sure we're set yeah. on that. It is good, and I notice having done quite a lot of research that a lot of the stuff that he mentions, he either writes under little strips in this book. It's a great book, actually. I have to say, you, you prompted me to get it, and it's a lovely book. But yeah. um, a lot of the a lot of the stuff he writes appears on the internet elsewhere. So the space about Sp- Spaceman Spiff, for example, appears on the Wikipedia page, word for word, where they've just sort of yes, exactly, it yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now I've I've haven't got a history with Calvin and Hobbes. I'm, I'm I'm ashamed to say that I used to read it and enjoy it when I saw it. I wasn't always a big comic um, newspaper strip guy, but I think I only really got into it when I started reading it daily on Instagram and Twitter, which I'll give the addresses out for later. But you've got a bit of a history with it, haven't you? Well, so Calvin Hobbes is an American newspaper strip that runs from 1985 to 1995, and we discovered it as a family somewhere about 1990 when a friend recommended it to us right and it became um we i mean we might get a chance to talk about this i was slightly inspired by richard sheaf doing tintin for your podcast that... uh, no asterix asterix yeah oh asterix sorry yeah, yes of course right. it was asterix we did mention it? tintin though i have to be fair um, yeah, yeah, yeah yes he did asterix to gaul which is that uh, that great thing it's an all ages it's it really is all ages yeah and so calvin and hobbes in our family became that it was the all ages um books because we would buy the collections whenever a new one came out and i think they were coming out once a year or something like that yeah i think there's, and ten, the, there's 10 of them aren't there which works into yes. the series yeah i think that's right yeah and the whole family would read them and in fact we would compete you know there would be like <laughs> you know who's chance who's who was going to read the book first yeah and um it's a sort of running joke in my family that the kids used to hide the books underneath the bath mat in the toilet yeah so that when they were on the loo they could read the books you know oh nice oh good stuff oh <laughs> and indoctrinating so the children all... early i like that yeah. yeah and we've got all the books and they're all uh well not all of them but most of them i think are falling apart because they've been read so much and poured over so much by the kids and it, my wife um she doesn't read any of the comics she doesn't read comics at all yeah i'm in the same boat as you there man yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) they look upon our hobbies with some sort of anyway but this this is the only one 
that she would that she's read she's read all of calvin and hobbes as well and she found it delightful and so for us it's a real sort of family book it's something yeah uh, the whole strip the whole idea of this anarchic six-year-old and his um tiger which you know it's a classic trope the tiger comes to life whenever it's just calvin observing but if anybody else is looking it's a stuffed toy yeah and it's so it's for us it's sort of like you know the books basically are just sort of like linked through our kids growing up and learning to read and just loving them yeah it's brilliant isn't it it's really nice i mean uh, yeah, I took this away. I've been. I'm just back from holiday, and I, I um, which I bored everyone with, so I won't bore you with it again. But so I kept sending you pictures. But I, yeah, I, you did. <laughs> I took uh, I took it away to read and just do a bit of research and stuff for today. And it occurred to me that my son looks exactly like him at his age. Which, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, on holiday, I sent a picture to him and uh, a picture with Calvin next to him. You know, two pictures, and he and I got the reply, "You're funny, Dad." So that was good. <laughs> that was nice. Um, yeah, I mean, a hugely. I mean, I, th- I think we're kind of preaching to preaching to the converted as opposed to preaching to the perverted, which is what I normally do. But preaching to the converted here that there's it's a it was a hugely popular comic, um, newspaper strip featured in um, over two thousand four hundred different papers, appeared in over fifty countries, and sold over forty five million books in in collections. Yep. Um, the star of the strip actually appeared earlier in a um, a strip that uh, Watson created. Um, which was called the Doghouse, and if you, I haven't, I've not seen this yet. I haven't looked it up. Have you? Or no, I don't know. Oh, well, I, I think I saw a couple of snippets of it in the documentary that's on Amazon oh, Prime. Right. Yeah, we'll definitely talk but, about that. Yeah. Yeah, but I haven't, I haven't seen the, his earlier work. No. Yeah, but um, in a sort of proto way, a kid with a stuffed kid, yeah. stuffed tiger, and um, and but he actually landed fairly um, fully formulated. I think it's it, it landed and it just continued and it, the. You can dip into it anywhere. I think it's fair to say the quality is it never varies, and the the, the art never really grows or diminishes. I think it, it's there's an amazing simplicity about his uh, his drawings. Yeah, um, I think if you look at the very first cartoon and the very last cartoon, you can see a slight improvement in his line. But okay. basically, it's, it's very simple, but it's so it's so beautiful. Um, I read a, a novel years ago, Tony. Yeah. And it was about it was about a famous American newspaper cartoonist who died, and he'd left the strip to his son. And his son was a bit of a sort of at a dead end and didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. Yeah. So his son tries to take over uh, this comic strip, and in order to do so, he goes to this real old crusty newspaper cartoonist to learn how to draw. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm telling this little anecdote from this book yeah. is that he he says to this guy, the, the old guy gets them both to draw telephones. And then he says, now, look at the two pictures. What's the difference? And he and the guy says, your telephone is funny. <laughs> and and Bill Waterson, he just draws funny. There he is, does, there yeah. is humor in his yeah. simple depictions of Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, I don't want to um, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying it doesn't you know there's no i just it's the consistency that counts for me in a lot of the time of the art and yeah i mean it's hugely accomplished so it's amazingly done and i yes. you know i think you'll be hard pressed to find anything um that's as good so a couple of little extra facts uh calvin was originally called marvin believe it or not oh um, right okay. yeah um i only found that out this morning watching a youtube video but the um he was named after john calvin who was a 16th century theological philosopher um who believed in predestination which i think is interesting and if I mean, if you look at you kind of you can I think um, 
we, we you sent me a Phil Jupiter's uh, yes. program, and and Phil Jupiter's questions a philosopher about it, doesn't he? And he and the philosopher draws these these big conclusions about how Watson was a huge fan of philosophy, and and it was you know there's this this basis of what happens into predestination and stuff like that. I'm 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 feeling that's a little bit of a reach, as did Phil Jupiter's on the documentary. Yes. Um, but I do think that Calvin probably, when he's hearing about predestination, um, would have something to say about it. Sorry, probably he something would, like yes. that's unfair. I'm guessing. Um, there are there are certain recurring sort of settings and themes in Calvin and Hobbes, and one of them is Calvin and Hobbes careering down a hillside, either in yes. their little wagon or on in a sledge on snow. Yeah, and those ones Bill Waterston does as they're having these philosophical debates about um, fate and determinism and ex- existence. Right, and it usually ends at the bottom of the page with them flying off into the air <laughs> as they yeah. crash. Yeah, no, um, I get that. Yeah, I know, I, I I can see that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, it's a, it's a funny one because we have to draw a lot of conclusions because Watson himself very rarely, if if ever, does interviews, doesn't he? So you sort of you can't really. This is the fascinating thing. He's yeah. like he's the cartoon, the newspaper strips, J.D. Salinger, or yeah. you know, one of those characters, very reclusive, doesn't give interviews. You don't see him. Um, you know, we, we'll perhaps talk a little bit about the integrity of the whole project. Yes, I think him. that's definitely something we'll talk about because I, I, I kind of admire him for that. To be fair, yeah, we'll, we will get onto that. Hobbes um, was also named after a philosopher, Thomas Hobbes. Um, who, who um, according to the um, philosopher we both listened to, had a, a low view of hum- humanity, which kind of fits in with that tiger and his sort of yeah. laissez-faire attitude to what's what's happening. Um, Susie Durkin's another recurring character in it, one of the few who has two names. I found interesting. Um, yeah. She's kind of, I think, initially in the book um, you suggested we read is uh, she's almost set up as a little bit of a sort of future love interest, but he pulls back a bit on that. I think I find yes. as you go through is a little bit less. And there's might be something about, you know, Hobbes as an extension of Calvin's personality, because Hobbes finds Susie quite alluring, you know, <laughs> and quite enjoys when he ends up at tea parties with her toys and things like that. Uh, and Calvin finds the whole idea, you know, uh, of girls just disgusting. <laughs> it's, uh, it's great stuff. Great yeah. material. And as I understand it, Durkins was oh, it's a hell of a name for a dog, but it was the name of the in-laws dog. That's why he... <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, Rosalind yeah. was a babysitter who was kind of almost like a bit of a villain, bit of a yep. he never he never bested her. Uh, Mrs. Wormwood was a teacher, and Mo was the school bully. Now, m- talking about Mo moves me into what I wanted to talk a little bit about with you about his influences, so especially artistic influences, because he he quotes Charles Schultz, doesn't he, as one of his big influences, and I can see Schultz in in Mo, I think. Yes, yeah, I think you can see that. The sort of like, you know, with almost like no eyes and the low brow. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, newspaper cartoon strips in America is a huge thing. They get these huge pullouts in the Sundays and and you know every day yeah. that we don't, we've never really got the full funny funny pages thing over here, have we? We haven't. I went to the National Cartoonist Society convention a couple of years ago. Oh and, right. And um, sat in. This always reminds me of it. I was sat in a. Um, in the Starbucks, which was part of the hotel, and there was they were all sitting around me, and uh, Sergio said to me, "This is my Sergio, you know, drop a name." Sergio Aragonis said, "Do you want to do you want to read the the funnies?" And he passed from his table where he was chatting to a couple of friends over to me, which I still own now because I'm a freak. 
But, yes, uh, well, you would. I, you know, Sergio Aragonis gave suggest- me a comic, I would. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. And I thought, and it's it's such an established thing over there that we just don't get enough of here. I mean, you do get the double strip occasionally in Sunday papers, don't you? Or, yes. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, I know, you've, I know you've mentioned George and Lynn from time to time <laughs> yeah, in the I'm past. Bit, I, I, don't, I don't want to be named as George and Lynn's number one fan, but I think I'm close, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, but, yeah, Schultz and Peanuts, obviously a huge influence. Yeah. Um, and he quotes a, a few other yes, famous American cartoonists in this book, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Did you want to? Did you want to mention a couple of them? Because um... well, I mean, the ones that Americans love, uh, Pogo by Walt Kelly, which I yeah. really only know because it influenced one of Alan Moore's issues of Swamp Thing. Oh, of course, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, yes. you're right, man. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I first heard about Pogo. Uh, Crazy Cat by uh, George Herriman, yeah. uh, Little Nemo by Windsor McKay. They're all sort of these absolutely huge American newspaper strips that yeah. ran for years and years and years. Um, very successful. Some of them, you know, hugely influential. And I think they've all they've all influenced uh, Waterson before this. And you know. Yeah. Does he better them? I don't know, but I think you know. It's certainly it's my favourite. Yeah, I, I different times as well. It was certainly Crazy Cat. Yes. You know this, but you can. There's a there's a quality of line sometimes in Herriman's work that I see replicated a little bit occasionally. Yeah. The quality the quality of what he's doing. There was a couple of other ones I I thought um, as I was going along, and only one of them was sort of reinforced by an interview I read. But um, Alex Raymond was an influence on Spaceman. Oh Spiff, right, yes, which I of course. Found interesting. Yeah. Um, and um, the other one that I heard mentioned was Milton Kniff was um, um, was referenced for uh, Tracer Bullet. Right. Um, which okay. That's can... the Terry and the Pilot Pirates. That's guy, right. Think, yeah. yeah. Who? But I see a bit more. So we'll talk about these these different characters that pop up in a sec. But I can also see a bit of Alex Toth in that black and white line work. Yes. That minimal. There's um. There's a whole strip where he does it almost in reverse. He uses just shadow in black and white um, in the book, which is really incredible. And there was certainly some top there. I'm feeling it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's that's lovely when everything goes um, into sort of like shadow, and he goes very noir for tracer bullets and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah, so good. I mean, so let's talk about that. So Calvin, as well as being this precocious, slightly um, uh, chatty, very chatty, uh, very in- strangely very intelligent but lazy kid. Who, yep. tra- who travels about at school and on his wagon and argues with his parents and takes a piss out of his uncle and stuff like that. He actually he actually had little dream sequences, and um, or daydream I suppose. One was Spaceman yeah. Spiff, which I know you're a fan of because you wrote it on your visor at work, didn't you? I did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this thing about putting your name on your face shield, and I put Spaceman Spiff on mine. <laughs> ever the rebel, uh, ever the comic yeah. rebel. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I love Spaceman Spiff when he goes into his science fiction uh, characters. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic stuff. But also, as you said, uh, Tracer Bullet is the sort of hard-nosed private detective. Um, yeah. Stupendous Man is his superhero alter ego. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, Mum and Dad feature, so I love in Tracer Bullet the way he keeps calling his mum a dame. It yes. Just, oh, it just makes me laugh every time he says it. Uh, and then in Stupendous Man, in Man Lady is... Is it Mum Lady? No, Mum Lady, isn't it? Is the is the mum yes. who's the villain, and annoying girl is Susie Durkins, who are his villains. 
And he, I'm, am I right in saying he's never successful, as stupendous man? I think it always fails, doesn't it? It always fails. He always gets locked in the um, the uh, the cupboard when he's trying to change it or something like that. Or he gets caught by Rosalind, the babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great stuff. I love the fact that Rosalind, the babysitter, is also a proper grifter. She's always just conning money because he's yes, clearly like... so difficult to manage. Uh, she's always... he's, a, he's a hyperactive six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And when his parents get the rare night out and Rosalind and they come back and she says, now it'll be an extra $5 and another $10 in advance of next time. And yeah. uh, the dad always says, she's got a real racket going, hasn't she? Yeah. Now, <laughs> um... says something like, do you want to stay with it? Do you want to stay in every night until he, Calvin's 18? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're guilty. They're, they're just, they're forced into a corner. She's conned them. Yeah. yeah. The, now, when it goes into because let's talk format so the format is the dailies are three panels and the um the sunday strips or the weekend strips are kind of double banked aren't they they're, they're a double decker strip in essentially is that right so the yeah well the interesting thing i thought about the sundays was he would have as they're printed in the books you get like three rows of panels yeah but originally because of the way the american papers work you had to have you had to give the newspaper editors the option of cutting off the top panel. So whatever yeah. you had in his first two first two um, panels at the top, he'd have to have like throwaway gags that wouldn't influence the rest of that particular Sunday. Right, uh, I get that it That could now. be cut off. Yeah, and then of course at one point because he becomes it becomes the most successful comic strip at the time he's able to negotiate a deal with the syndicate that distributes these to all the newspapers that yeah. says no. Not, a, not a criminal syndicate, incidentally, for those listening. This is, that's what they're <laughs> called, the newspaper syndicate. Yeah, okay. The newspaper syndicate. Yeah. And he, he finally negotiates a deal that says, no, I want to fix yes. the Sunday format as this half-page, three uh, you know, three rows of panels, um, and you can't strip off the top, the top two panels. Um, so you see it in the start of this book that some of the early ones you get those throwaway gags in the first two. Oh, okay. And then later right. on in the end of the book you get more. You know, it's a whole story told out over the uh, eight or ten panels or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. I see, I see what you're saying. Um, and also the Sunday strips are, m are much more detailed, aren't they? They, they, they include much more backgrounds and uh, uh, I'm right in saying nearly always colour. Is that right? Yeah. So the Sundays yeah. are in colour. The weekday strips, four panels in black and white, and the the colour work, again, you know, some of it is very simple and straightforward, but sometimes when he's doing, like if he's doing a Spaceman Spiff yeah. um, space uh, landscape, it's so beautifully coloured. And then again, when he starts to incorporate the... Um, the snow scenes because oh, Calvin gets yeah. a lot of snow stuff outside outdoors. Yeah, and it's so beautiful to look at. It really is. It's um, I I loved. I was looking at some Mike Grail the other day about how he he portrays people, you know, sludging through the snow. And when you think about, it, there's nothing on the page, but you have to show that it's it's incredible. And he yeah. does that so well. That's, I, I was about to ask you what your some of your favourite art styles in it were, and that's that was going to be mine. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, really is. Yeah. I think. Uh, I know we'll get on to in a second the kind of steps forward that uh, Watson made for the the genre, but I think um, he also developed a lot of colours, didn't he? Because when they were, a lot of it was on fairly crap newsprint, I'm guessing, you know, shitty newspapers yeah. and stuff. But he did push the colours. There was more colours in his Sunday strips than there are in any other ones, I think. 
Yeah, and I think again, it was the success of the the strip that allowed him to do that, to push the format a bit, uh, to insist on getting you know the whole strip printed and to have a, a better color palette for it. Um, and it shows in those Sundays. And again, you can buy collections of just the Sunday strips oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. uh, in right. color, which is lovely as well. Uh, I think that's called the Lazy Sunday Book or something like oh, that. Oh, real. I'll have a look. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, they are they are lovely. And he does get to use more colors as it goes on. And some, But as we say, sometimes even it's just the white on the page of the snow seeds, which yeah. are so beautiful. Amazing. And there is there is that famous last ever Calvin and Hobbes yeah. cartoon, which was a Sunday strip, which was a snow scene and was just such a sign off for this 10 years of cartooning. Yeah. And um, to be fair, I almost, I, I think I'll probably entitle this let's go exploring as the title of yeah. it because that's the last line, isn't it? The it is. It the, is. The, the strip. Yeah. yeah. So is any, it's a magical world, old buddy. Let's go exploring. Brilliant. Just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Is there any, um, are there any other sort of, strips or characters or recurring things that you really liked things that he did with the art so um i mean i'm going to talk about snow a lot right okay that's cool because yeah, yeah. uh the interesting thing about the strip of course is calvin's a six-year-old and because of the realities of a 10-year you know progression calvin never has birthdays but they have Christmas and winter. Right. Okay, uh, yeah. So he doesn't grow up, obviously. Yeah. So, but he gets Christmas and winter and he loves, Calvin loves being out in the snow, either on his sledge, having these philosophical debates with Hobbes or <laughs> doing his snowman sculptures. And <laughs> Which you creates, said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he creates these snowmen sculptures. So he'll have like, his dad will go out to work in the morning and go out to the car and in front of the car on the drive, there'll be a snowman lying on its side with its head knocked off and all these other bystander snowmans looking around at the <laughs> snowman. And, and he does that as a sort of recurring joke where he has these um, quite gruesome snowman sculptures. And I sent you some pictures because, in yeah. a, again, this was such a family thing for us. When we would... Uh, decorate our Christmas cake. We started decorating it with the white icing as Calvin and Hobbes snowmen. And so the <laughs> first one that we, my kids did was some snowmen doing uh, playing like tempin bowling, but they were using one of the other snowmen's heads as the ball, and <laughs> with red, you know, with red food coloring, they'd done <laughs> yeah. a bloody trail. And then over the years, that's progressed. And we still do this every Christmas, even though my kids are now grown up and moved away. But I bake the Christmas cake right. and I cover it just with plain white icing. And then my son usually comes home and they've become they've become like what we do is basically he does a horror film in a snow theme. Yes. Yeah. So like last year's was we've done Hereditary. Uh, last year's was <laughs> instead of midsummer was uh, midwinter. Um <laughs> We had the birds with the sort of character, the snowman lying on its side with its eyes pecked out, and it was called Peck the Halls and things like that. <laughs> yeah. and so we've carried this on, and we still do it every year, and it's just great fun. And it's all from starts from Calvin and Hobbes. No, so yeah. the snow, the answer to your question is the snow ones, snowmen, and the, and and there's a fantastic sort of moral battle that Calvin has with himself about whether to throw a snowball at Susie Durkins. Yes, I love that. Story. And then he, yeah. He goes off and does all these good deeds in the house, doing his chores in the house, and then eventually he can't stand it anymore, and he has to go outside and throw the snowball. Such a metaphor for my life. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, just you talking about the cakes there makes me desperate for it to snow. So I can, me and my son, even though he's now in his 20s, can go to the park and, and build like a murder scene of snowmen. Yes, you know, oh, exactly. Such a great idea. But the, the strip lives in seasons, doesn't it? I was only this morning reading the one where they go on a camping holiday and it rains constantly. Or yes. The fall, often the fall and the leaves and stuff like that plays a big part in it as well. And I think the like you say there's no birthdays but there's a, there is a passage of time which i kind of like yes yeah. yes and his father particularly um is a very sort of he works as a we find out i think in one strip that he works as a um a lawyer a patent lawyer but he he's his dad's very sort of outdoorsy he likes to cycle and run and go on camping holidays and fishing and boating yeah and calvin hates all of that <laughs> and whenever they go on these uh <laughs> camping and fishing holidays it always pours with rain the whole time they're there and there's a gag i don't know if it's in this book i can't remember there's a gag where they have you know because sometimes the four panels is like a one-off story but sometimes yeah. the story's continued for weeks and weeks mm. and weeks and so the camping story continued for several days or weeks and the punchline was that just as they were getting in the car and literally putting the boot down with all the kit back in the car, it stopped raining. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, Having been dad's... on uh, camping holidays with my son, I can attest that every time we put the tent up, it would pour rain. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And his dad has a reaction to this. And then afterwards in the car, Calvin's talking to Hobbs and says, um, Hobbs says, do you know what any of those words were that your dad said? And Calvin says, no, I've, but I've written them down to look them up. <laughs> <laughs> I love though I do actually I think I kind of like the continuing stories because I read it a lot on Twitter now oh there's one there's one one posted every day and I quite enjoy yeah. just catching it and reading it um, or in, on Instagram as well it's the same um, and there's there's a few that I really enjoyed one of the favourite my favourite ones was the one about the homework with Susie Durkins where he keeps yes. trying to get her to do his homework for him yeah, and at the exactly, end of it he yeah. just makes it up yeah that's a good one uh, it's great because he has to do presentations in front of the class. Yeah. He's never done his homework. <laughs> and, uh, when he gets paired with Susie Durkins to do a school project and she's always infuriated because she's quite bright and attentive and works hard. And he's Calvin is always just winging it. Yeah. Um, and there's the famous one in here as well. When he gets this idea, he has to do a school project about bats and he comes up with this <laughs> idea that bats, bats are bugs. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, We'll get onto this in a second. I would most certainly buy a T-shirt that says "Bats are bugs" on it, just bats for the people bugs. who would get it. Just to amuse <laughs> yeah. the odd, the one in one thousand people who saw it. But yeah, and let's yeah. talk a little bit about his process, dude. While we're speaking about his art, because um, he works mostly or worked mostly on Bristol board. He said, which his favourite was Strathmore, which is I know is a, a favourite of a lot of comic creators. He used a sable hair brush with India ink. Um, he lettered with a Rapidograph fountain pen for those um, process junkies at home. Um, he used to colour his own Sunday strips, which was uh, what we just talked about. Um, Kelvin was originally drawn with hair covering his eyes in the early designs, if you've seen any of them, which is quite quite cool. Um, yeah. But he was kind of pragmatic a little bit about what he used. And he kind of said, look, if I haven't got that, I'll use whatever's to hand. Whatever his um, whatever holder his, will hold his nib is what he'll use. Uh, and at one point, he's quite famous by saying he used a stick in, he found in his garden to ink. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. To ink some trees and stuff like that, because he thought he'd give it a go, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and he liked the idea that it was quite a low-tech, just one-man band. Yeah. 
it was just him yeah just doing this you know um in a fairly low-tech setting yeah um, yeah that's something that's discussed a lot in the documentary which you mentioned a minute but should we well, let's get into his little uh foibles shall we now because i think that's a good a good a good move over to that is he um he famously is like you say very quiet rarely appears uh, he does do the odd thing um, he did it for ten years, and he he stopped doing when he was only he stopped drawing it and stopped drawing any newspaper strip when he was thirty eight. He gave up. Yeah. Um, he famously refused all possibilities of anything other than just the strips and collections of them. So you know, there's no if you go out there, there's no. Well, I suppose there are some lunch boxes, but they'll they'll be bootlegs. You know, there's there's no actual genuine T-shirts. There's no and the one that I always thought, and I know it comes up in the Phil Jupiter's documentary, is why if there was a plushie of Hobbs, it would sell yeah. like hotcakes wouldn't it you know i'm, I'm sure your done, kids yes. would, have, would, would have had one growing up you know yes so it's fascinating that yeah. he refused all all efforts to merchandise calvin and Hobbs. Yeah. and you know again on the documentaries you listen to people from the syndicate saying we talked to bill about this a lot mm. and he always said no and he talks about it in this book you know he said i wanted this to be a comic strip like the comic strips i read in the papers when i grew up and i wanted it to be just that and apart from collecting it in books nothing else so no t-shirts no plush toys of hobbs no lunch boxes and you know we mentioned schultz and peanuts yeah you know the huge marketing and yeah. licensing of peanuts over the years uh, and I think Charles Schultz's widow appears in this TV That's documentary right. yeah. that we watched. And, you know, basically, I mean, I'm sure she's and her family are still, you know, doing well out of that, yeah. out of the, the merchandising, even after Schultz has sadly passed away. But and if we think just to talk money for a minute, yeah. you know, because they mentioned some figures and the Wikipedia mentioned some figures. Oh, OK. Uh, and it depends on who you listen to. It's either tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars that Bill Waterson turned down yeah. because he wouldn't merchandise Calvin and Hobbes. He just wanted this pure thing, this this comic strip that was in the newspapers and it was in books and that was it. Yeah. And, you know, it's remarkable. Um, yeah. I, I admire it, actually. I have to say, I, yeah. I have to admire the artistic integrity of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, the purity of the whole thing. Um, as we said, he's a reclusive character. You don't hear much about him. He did write the introduction for a catalogue yes. of yeah. the Cartoon Museum's exhibition at the University of Ohio, I think it was. Yeah, really, really and good. That... There's a really good kayfabe interview where they go through the auction catalogue, Billy Island. Ah, yeah. right. Yeah, and really, really good. And um, they don't hold everything, but they hold nearly everything, I think, don't they? There's the odd yes. strip that was given away. That's right, because, again, he gave all the original art pretty much... I think there's one or two editors who've got a strip on their wall, but right. most of the original art is that he donated it to the university. Yeah. Didn't sell it. He just donated it. So it's all there. Um, they did this exhibition. He wrote an introduction for the catalogue. He said that at that point, I think it was 2004, five, something like that, yeah. Tony. And he said then he was working on teaching himself painting and yes. teaching himself music <laughs> and you just think yeah you know wow he does this for 10 years it's one of the greatest sort of sequential funny strips if i can you know if we call it that funny papers yeah 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 in the history and then after 10 years he says yep now i'm done i don't want you to license or merchandise it i'm going to go off and i'm going to 
teach myself how to play guitar. It's incredible, isn't it? It's, you know? it's a Dan Dan, who I do the awesome pod with, is is a great believer in these sort of martial arts metaphors you know he tells me these stories of well that's like that and it reminds me of a story he told me about a guy who went into the mountains to learn the foot sweep in judo right and then he came back into the town and defeated everyone with the foot sweep two years later and then he said right i'm going to go into the mountains now and learn the, the shoulder throw and disappeared off again and i kind of in me part of me thinks i want him to return and do the shoulder throw i want him to return and show that he's painted a load of forests and you know the woods at the back yes. of his house which is obviously a big obsession for him wasn't it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's fantastic. I mean, I suppose our equivalent for slightly more grumpy, curmudgeonly reasons is Alan Moore. Yeah, and yeah. his refusal to have anything to do with the movies made of his comics. Yeah. Um, so you know, he's there's a similarity there. Yeah, they're not uh, the money. It's the money, isn't it? The one that always gets people. You know, they are. I'm never doing yeah. anything. How about forty million? Yeah, right then. Yeah, and I know that yes. Moore's the same, and and Watson's the same. But also, I find it refreshing that cough cough rob liefeld we don't have to hear him fucking talking all the time i, I must say i no. love comics creators i think we kind of overdose a little bit on some people and i don't they speak to me enough through their work sometimes i don't think i i need to hear him i don't think i do how do you feel yeah, yeah. Well, well it's i think it's great in a way i just i just admire the whole thing um you know we've both listened to phil jupiter's on radio 4 which you can find on youtube talking about calvin and holmes yeah. And I think I seem to remember they sort of they spoofed an interview with Bill Waterston with him and his producer. Yeah, and then with a very bad American you know, accent. They said, oh, he's exactly. from Preston or something. But yeah, it was funny. You know, it was good. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a there's a young filmmaker who's made this documentary called Dear Mr. Waterston. Yes. Yeah. Which um, I also want your recommendation. Yeah. And because I found it on Amazon Prime. So if you've got Amazon Prime people, you can find the Calvin and Hobbes documentary. But of course, yeah, the great hole in the documentary is. No, Bill Waterson. Yeah, it's it reminded me a little bit of the um, In Search of Steve Ditko documentary for that yes, same reason. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it's by Joel Allen Schroeder, and he investigates the culture and impact um, that the story we've had. Um, and it was funded by, funny enough, something we might talk about later when we when I come onto your podcast is Kickstarter. They actually funded oh, it. Right. Did they ran two Kickstarters? I'm not quite sure how that worked to fund it. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's different from Ditko in that he's I mean he's no celebrity. He's not no Jonathan Ross. He's just this kind of kid who likes it and goes looking for information on it um yes as i understand it he he refused to be interviewed he refused to turn up at the screening but he has replied to them and said he's watched it on dvd right which i kind of like okay. that's okay yeah yeah that'll do yeah and he's probably watched it on dvd because probably bill watson he, he probably doesn't have the internet either does he you've <laughs> yeah, got to get yeah. that feeling yeah, yeah you got it on you got it yeah. on betamax send it through yes yeah um one of the other things and he is, sorry go on man yeah come i was gonna say yeah it's a young filmmaker making a documentary it's not you know it's perhaps not the most accomplished it's a bit film school isn't it yeah it is and yeah. it's a bit like it's not quite as bad as the one that we watched of dead skin made by those oh, guys from, yeah yeah you know dead skin's basement but yeah. you know it, it it's much more glossy production by that but anyway yeah it's okay but it's out there to watch and if you've got Prime, you can watch it for free. I think so. I think it's worth a watch, it, man. And we and yeah. all I, if you look at my search terms on Amazon Prime, it always just says comic. You know, and yes. there's, there's a lot of Drek on there, and that's not part of it. Yeah. But yeah. Um. So talk a bit about um possible animations. Now, animation was actually vaguely considered by Watson for a while. Um. He's obviously a big fan of animation, and um. I, I think we forgot to mention at the start here that as a kid, he actually wrote Charles Short's a letter, and Charles Short's replied. Um, which he, right. he kept. So I, I would imagine that translated over into a lot of the Peanuts animation, you know, the Halloween stuff. Yes. And that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
but he his big two his big two concerns were handing the the um the reins of the art over to other people even if it be it for just backgrounds and stuff um and the one that he could he just couldn't get his head around was calvin's voice right um which i can understand having been sort of in a vague very vague way involved in the voice of you know in in hilda and hearing it as it, it sort of developed i can see that that was a big concern of no brows and Silver Lakes is is relation to her voice and I and we all hear these voices differently, don't we? I mean, let's face it, Captain. Yes. As good as Steve Rogers, as good as the actor who plays Steve Rogers is, in he's not Captain America's voice in my head. You know, as good as Urban was in the Dread film, it wasn't quite the Dread I hear when I hear him talk. You know. Well, it's always the thing, of course, when one of our favourite books or comics gets made into a movie, and we think about the casting. You yeah. think, well, that's not quite who I had. But and of course, with Calvin and Hobbes. I can see that for Bill Waterson. You can see that for us, that we don't have to worry about some squeaky voiced American, yeah. uh, maybe of, you know, a 30 year old woman act yeah. doing the voice of Bart Simpson. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. We can still just have Calvin and Hobbes's voices in our heads um, and not worry. Yeah, yeah I can totally. see that. I can see why he would turn it out, you know, turn that down as well. Yeah. Plus, as you say, he did very much want to draw every pen stroke himself, didn't he? Yeah. And it wasn't. There weren't small fry approaching him. I think in um, the documentary they say Jim Henson, uh, George Lucas, and Steven Spielberg all were interested, and all yeah. contacted the syndicate. In fact, the syndicate, the guy who ran the the newspaper syndicate, his big. They, they asked him in in one of the documentaries I heard about how did you get on with him. He said, "I got on with him fine, unless we talked about licensing." Yeah. And then and then then it became a big argument. The other thing that he did, um, which I found interesting and was at the time unusual, it doesn't seem to be unusual now for comic artists or comic strip artists is he was one of the few people who took sabbaticals now you come from a career i think i'm right in saying well you take a sabbatical is that right you're allowed to sit we can i've yeah. never done it myself but we can take a sabbatical but yeah i mean again you know he has bill waterson had the power because he was so successful this yeah. was so popular and he could say to the syndicates i'm going to take what was it eight months off or I something think it like was that. yeah it was yeah yeah um, and take he had two breaks during those 10 years um, and the syndicates basically in much the same way as they'd had to give in to him about the Sunday the layout of the Sunday strip and Dublin the colour palette from yeah. whatever it was 64 to 128 um, they said okay yeah sure Bill just as long as you're coming back yeah exactly um, yeah and I'm guessing they yeah, ran repeats, did they? Or I'm guessing. I, yeah. I don't know, actually. I don't know what they did for those gaps when he wasn't there. Um, I presume they must have done. I printed something, otherwise they'd have had uh, loads <laughs> of letters, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't they? And they um, they would get letters. The people would write in a lot. You know, I think it was quite yeah. common to get. I mean, there was the odd little complaint. Was there a complaint about the main? They asked the guy, and he said one of the main complaints I got is where. Calvin sort of spits into a mug or something and tries to get Susie Durkins to drink it or something like that. And that, right. that caused quite the furore, you know, compared to these days, you know, look at the internet now. Yeah. Who cares? They were, yeah. And there was also, there was a complaint where Calvin's at home from school sick and he's on the couch with a thermometer in his mouth and a blanket over him. And he's watching a rather racy American soap opera. Oh, ah, right. Okay. And then he turns, he literally breaks the fourth wall and turns to us at the in, in the fourth panel and says, I think I learned more about life staying home than going to school. <laughs> and, and again, there were complaints that that might suggest to kids that they should stay oh, home. Okay, bad influencing. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. meanwhile, you know, probably 12-year-olds are all out doing heroin in South London these days. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, racy soap operas, the least of their worries. Exactly. Yeah. 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 There are there are some um uh, there are other some reworkings of it out there. Um Hobbs and Bacon about a grown-up version of Calvin um who's actually married to Susie Durkins. Um if you put that into Reddit, there's a, there's I think there's five or six of them. They're actually pretty good. They're actually really yeah. really really fun to read and um they hold the spirit still. So I I could easily jump from the 10th anniversary book to that and think yeah, that's still tonally i'm still getting it i'm still enjoying right. that um uh al henderson regular guest on the show and our buddy he's done a penned gwyn version of it where they um yes he goes into the transmogrifier which uh, is great i always love i love yeah. love al's work and also one that i only read last night which is proves that i live in a live in a computer matrix because i was reading um i'm a regular and have been of 252 episode issues of savage dragon and this month he does something called savage dragon salutes the funnies and in it is a um is a a, a calvin and hobbs um I'm just trying to find it now. Calvin and Hobbes. Yes, he uh, sent me an image. Yeah, yeah. It's Calvin and Hobbes in Savage Dragon, which I thought was fantastic. And he yeah. he draws each one in a theme of um, in a style of um, the the original version of it. So this is Amy and Walter, um, and Amy is uh, Amy is one of Dragon's daughters. Um, but he also does stuff like Dick Tasty is one of them. Yeah. So they're all they're all sort of slight versions, and they're they're done with a lot of love, but. Um, he's he's a he's a class act, Eric Larson. I really like it. Yes, he's, he's one yeah. of those books. I think pe- more people should read because it's so great. And it's if you, if you like Kirby or if you like anything Marvel, then this is the book to read because it's the proper right. proper home for it at the moment. Yeah. So there's have you have you found any other ones that are sort of homages or there's that animation doing the rounds, isn't there? You occasionally see it on Twitter of them doing that dance. Have you seen that one? Yes. Yeah, I've seen the animation because there's a famous comic strip which is in this book of just Calvin and Hobbes dancing to music and his parents, I think, sitting up in bed and saying, is he playing classical records at, you know, yeah. 45 RPM or something? <laughs> that's right. um, and that, <laughs> yeah. that, that is a beautiful image, which, as Bill Waterson said, was frequently um, stolen for, um, you know, a little animation. people making yeah. little animations. I don't think so he on. liked it, did he? I'm, I think, I'm, is that right? No, I don't think he likes any of that. And he doesn't like the uh, car stickers that used to appear on the back of cars of Calvin peeing up against the wheel or something like that. That's that was right. very. Yeah, which are quite yeah. common apparently in the States. Yeah, decals, yeah, they, they call them or something, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only par- the only other parody I saw um, during lockdown when we were all watching, um, what was it, Tiger King? Oh, right. Um, I, didn't, I haven't seen said, it, but I know of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so they showed a picture of Joe Exotic posing one of his tigers, and the caption was, you know, do you want to feel old? This is what Calvin and Hobbes look like now. <laughs> oh, God, that don't ruin it. That's pissing on my strawberry <laughs> something rotten, that one. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Good. Let's talk a little bit about the, the rules of the strip, because um, it, 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 it applies itself to rules, and you have to throw yourself into it to enjoy them, I think. The Calvin's is his vocabulary is in the same way I suppose a parallel to Bart Simpson is it's it's kid kiddie but adult so there's yes. one there's one point where he he, he Calvin re- refers to his spaceship drawing as avant-garde and I thought yeah okay like, and I can see what you're doing you just you're just poking the adult a little bit with a sharp stick occasionally aren't you just to get him to carry away yeah. I mean did you did you feel that as you read it well I think I think this this goes to the all ages appeal of the book yeah and again, I mean, we talked about letters of complaint. He did get letters of complaint from kids saying, why does Calvin use so many big words? Oh, really? OK. Um, uh, or at least that, you know, the guy from the syndicate said that in an interview I read. Right. Um, so 
Calvin is, as you say, he's got wisdom and a vocabulary much beyond his years, but that works within the, the rules of the strip for us because it, because it gives the grown-ups something to laugh about as well as just the funny drawings yeah. of him and the tiger. Um, you know, I've mentioned the sort of the wagon rides down the hillside yes. when they have deeply philosophical conversations <laughs> yeah. about the meaning of life yeah. and then career off at the end. I think that's um, part of the beauty because we get stuff like that and then we get the one you sent me earlier of him nailing, putting nails in the kitchen table and yes. stuff like that. And, and you... his mum saying, what on earth are you doing? And he looks at them and then looks at her and says, is it a trick question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get we get the truth followed by the you know slightly cleverer yeah in, yeah. in a different way I suppose yeah now that that's the, the one of the big things for me is um, the way we see him and he sees his world so a lot of the time we travel along with him so we see um, Hobbes as another character because essentially Hobbes isn't is he Hobbes is uh, Calvin's imagination um, yes so we see the world um, as 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 if as if he's seeing it and we're carried along and, and drawn along by it but very occasionally we get a moment where it's the view of someone else there's that famous one where the kids are looking out the classroom window and they just see and calvin thinks he's fighting dinosaurs and they say well he's just shouting yes. it you know yeah. into space there's that's part of the beauty of it is it do you think oh absolutely i think yeah. sometimes as you say when when waterson pulls the camera back yeah. And we see what Calvin's actually doing. We've had this wonderful artwork of dinosaurs or or uh, tyrannosaurs in F-14 fighter jets yeah, or um, yeah. spaceman spiff land, you know, landscapes. And then the camera pulls back and you see Calvin's playing in the sandpit by himself, being observed by others. Um, it, it's, you know, there's a great one when he's he's destroying <laughs> families and houses and cars and his parents are looking at him and saying, Gosh, he's having real fun with those cars and buildings. He's probably going to be an architect when he grows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's never sad. I mean, you've got someone with an imaginary friend could easily be drawn into that sadness. I I didn't find it sad. I find it um, uh, adventurous, and I I find him interesting. But I never I never find a sadness there. Do you? Or no, there's not that sort of sadness. Yeah. You don't get the sense of you know because actually he doesn't seem to have much in the way of friends apart from Hobbes yeah um but you don't get too much of a sense of a lonely troubled child he, he does seem you know there's a great affection for Calvin and his world and his imagination and the wonderful inventions and creations he comes up with um the only I mean the only time the sad strip was when they ran the raccoon story which is in this book where they find Calvin and Hobbes find a little raccoon in the backyard that's, that's dying. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And it went on for several days yeah. where, you know, he fetches his parents and they, they do what every parent does with a, you know, at some point you've put a poorly animal in a shoebox covered with a tea towel yeah. in the garage and then hoped it would be all right the next morning and it isn't. Yeah. And um and that, you know, again was beautifully done. It was quite sad and reflective about, you know, death and the meaning of life and it ends with just calvin saying to hobbs you know don't you go anywhere buddy um which is wonderful yeah um so yeah but the sadness of calvin on his own no we don't really get that it's very yeah. warm and affectionate to him and to his uh the, the one his, his supporting characters totally man and the one the one that i really uh, it made me sad it was when he loses hobbs for a couple of issues for a couple of episodes. Oh, it's... fucking hell <laughs> yes 
Never mind about John Wick's dog dog being killed. That got me. I proper yeah. I was worried for It a, is. Yeah. It's dog John Wick's puppy and then <laughs> Calvin loses Hobbs and it runs on for a week or so. Um and it's yeah. Oh dear. It's it's amazing. <laughs> and that's I kind of think that's for me a little bit why we don't need a plushie. We don't yeah. need it because we're drawn along by the story, by the com- the, the the fact that Calvin is completely convinced that Hobbs is a real person, and therefore I'm completely convinced. Therefore, a plushie would be for those sort of ignoramus, I don't know, prosaic masses out there who would insist on it. And I'm and and I'm I'm caught up in the in the comic, and and as regular comic readers are like uh, that, we are. You, you throw yourself into it, and you're connected between panels, and it becomes a real moving life, doesn't it? That's the thing. And I'm yeah. I don't need anything else. I think I'm I'm totally in agreement with Watson there. Like fuck it. I mean, it's nuts. It's nice to have a master of kung fu action figure hanging off my shelves in life let's face it now i've got the comics and that's all i need yeah so i i completely agree we've got this 10-year artistic yeah. project the integrity of it all the fact that he wouldn't sell it out that he turned down millions uh that it is a complete thing it's sort of you know it has a beautiful ending um if anybody who's listened this far hasn't experienced calvin and Hobbes, yeah particularly if you've got a young family, because it is beautiful for all ages. It's just, it's perfect. You can yeah. buy in, you buy into the rules of the world, you know, that Hobbes is a real character when only Calvin is observing him. Uh, you buy into the rules of like, you know, there's winters, but no birthdays. Yeah. Um, you know, his, his fantastic replicating machines, his duplicator, <laughs> his transmogrifier, all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's just fantastic. I, I used to, I used to call it, but I don't think they have them anymore. I used to call it um, barbershop comics because you could put it on a table at a barbershop, and everyone, dad would read it while he's waiting for his kid to get a back and short back and sides. Then he'd sit back, you know, and and then he'd sit back down in the chair, and his kid could read it. And I think we kind of, we kind of need that sort of thing. I think comics that translate beyond our little bubble are often good. I know we talked about it. I talked about it with Dave the other day on on hate, and I think I think that's what we need. Um, yeah. If you, if you said someone old. You know, oh, what do you do for your hobby, Tony? I said I read comics. P- probably thinking I'm a sex offender, but other than that, if you know, if, it, if they said, oh, like Calvin and Hobbes, we might have a meeting of minds somewhere there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think you can give this book to all your non-comic reading friends and say, have a look at this. It's just wonderful. Yeah, and I think kind of there's a great comic comics journal interview with Watson, which um is well worth well worth a look. You can find it. It links through again, it links through the Wikipedia page to an arc archive.org um page right. which you can read it on. There's it's, it's quite a detailed one. But the um I think that's I mean that's what I'm gonna put my cards on the table saying that's why I think it's a success. I think it was short lived, it ran for ten years. That was enough. Job done. Same way that Star Wars would still be a success and nobody would be arguing about it on the internet if it just did the first three films. First three. Yeah it didn't go on too Stop. long. Yep. Yeah. It was insightful. Um uh, uh, but it was insightful enough without being enough of the depressing real world creeping in. Uh, it had a familiar setting. We've all, you know, most of us have been part of a family environment or been to school at the very least or had daydreams. Yeah. Um, and it's your youth distilled onto a page. It's the, it's we. I mean, I I used to run about in the woods and you know getting roused at school and stuff like that. We've all there's a little bit there for all of us, you know. Absolutely. I mean, that's beautifully put. Thank you. It is your youth. Uh, instilled onto the or distilled onto the page uh beautifully illustrated um you know we we briefly mentioned 
how much he loves trees and autumnal colours and that stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's just glorious, isn't it? Along with the beauty of the line work, obviously, and stuff like that. And it's a little commentary about human nature without being obvious and in your face, which seems to be the way of the world these days. There's a gentleness to yeah. it, which is, is really good. Um, good. Is there any... And he was oh, no. he was awarded the Grand Prix at uh, Angoulême in 2014. Yes. There's not too many of the americans who've been given that prize no, that's that right. honor is that yeah and i don't know yeah. if he went and collected it did you did you know or i don't know actually yeah. I, I, I yeah i hope he did but i suspect he probably didn't yeah. Know, in the bill yeah yeah exactly yeah. yeah just post it to me yeah, yeah. now yeah, he, they'd insist exactly. he does a zoom call or something and yeah, yeah. it'll be something like that yeah is there any we're going to move on in a second but is there anything that you you'd fancied mentioning beyond that dude i know you'll have notes and everything no i think i just uh, i just think they're lovely i just look at the i mean as you know as people can tell it's wrapped up in my family and my kids growing up and i look at these battered books on the shelves held together with sticky tape there's a beautiful page i meant to send you an image of it right um it's an a4 image of just calvin and hobbs walking through the snow right and it fell out of one of the larger format books and so i had it i've i've framed it and it's on my wall at work um i've got a few comics oh, nice. on my on my office at work and that's yeah. one of them and it's just such a lovely there's no dialogue it's just them walking through a beautiful snowy landscape perfect brilliant stuff man yeah, yeah. great subject and and i'm glad i've got like a little coffee table book i might one day get my missus to read a comic this is this is probably my best this chance could be the one. this might, yeah. might i've put her in comics other people have put her in <laughs> comics still won't read them yeah still stares at me with those eyes of hate but yeah this, this might work We'll see how we go on. Yeah. Great stuff, man. And when they come and offer you the atomic Hercules plushie and uh, action <laughs> yeah. figure, well, we'll wait. We'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Oh, don't say that to Adam because he'll probably ring me now. Somebody did do an action figure of Hercules and sent it to us. It's quite nice. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's quite nice. But yeah, yes. Right. I had a I had a technical drawing teacher at school whose catchphrase was when he was threatening us, he would say, I'll tear your arm off and hit you over the head with the sticky end. <laughs> and, yeah. and now I've got a comic that does that. Yeah, I must so. tap him up for a few more ideas, that dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Oh, right, we'll move on to the advert. Then I'm going to ask you a little bit about your busy life, dude. Um, so okay. now we've got a new adver- advertisement running just for this week. Do you become irrationally upset about the sexuality of a comic book character and shout a lot of the people online who talk about it? Or decide that someone is an actual Nazi because they don't like Steven Universe, then you can apply for your internet points card and watch those credits mount up. Warning: credits not actually exchangeable in real in the real world. Okay, that's the, excellent. Yeah, I must get one of those. Yeah, internet internet points card. They're very good. Yeah, everyone oh, seems to have one. Internet argument points card. Yeah. yeah, I wonder what my score would be. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Now you are. I'm trying really hard not to get annoyed about stuff on the internet now. Yes, Tony. I took I took a month off Twitter and came back and was quite happy. I was a happier person. Yep. Um, yeah, and uh, I've uh, I found I found it's a benefit. And I just go on to look at things people send me. We had um, a drink and draw on Friday night. Um, you did, yes. Oh man, you got to come. It was it's such such a great day. It's it's the funniest two hours. Um, it sort of descended into the normal ACP kind of area of conversations, but it was uh, everyone did some really great work. There's some excellent stuff going on there. Um, yeah, I think I think you'd dig it. Al did some stuff. Al was on there making me chuckle. He just sort of throws the odd zinger in at me. Um, Al Henderson, but yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Um, you speaking of podcasting, you're um, as busy as ever, as ever. I've literally just downloaded um, Death, the High Cost of Living on a handful of dust. So that's the so you've done the whole of Sandman, and now you've done a sort of spin-off. Is that right? 
Yeah, we're going to do, we've done 10 episodes about the Sandman trades on a handful of dusts with me and my daughter, Jenny. Very good. Uh, really we're going good. to yeah. do probably about five uh, spin-off episodes. We're going to do the two, we've done the first Death miniseries. Uh, we've recorded about some Jill Thompson sort of manga-inspired okay. versions that she did. We're going to do Dream Hunters. We're going to do Endless Nights, The right. Overture, and then probably finish with the second Death miniseries. So that's all coming up on a handful of dust. All recorded? Because I know you record in advance, don't you? Have you got... No, we've only got... We're only sort of one week ahead at the moment. Right. So, yeah. yeah. yeah we've recorded uh, episode 12, which will be out next friday after this episode drops yeah and then there'll probably be about three more after that and that will be that that little podcast project done that's a great project man that's a, if only i could encourage my son to do something like that rather than sort of grunt, yeah. grunting at me the uh <laughs> he uh i used to make him write um if i say well i'll buy you this i'll buy you this book if you write me a hundred words on such and such movie or such and such comic and uh we, we i had some bribery advice there but yeah, I really, I really like the idea, and it's something we really need to talk about. I know Uncle Pat talks about giving comics to people in our, the younger generation and seeing what they think of it, and uh, we're, it's the only way we're going to survive. We don't get the opinions of these people, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and she's a very insightful person. I would say that some of the stuff she was talking about, just I hadn't read Tan Man, and I went back and looked at some of the stuff you talked about, and I was like, oh, right, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good, man. Um, it is interesting, yeah. And the other one is the Mega City Book Club. So I've just listened to The Boys. You did one with Gary, who's been on this show. So Gary yeah. Hill was on your show doing Punisher Max. Yeah, he only likes uh, violent sexual comics, Gary. It's quite funny. He does, yeah. yes. <laughs> and he's got a lovely black country accent. He's listening now. So hello, Gary. Yeah, hello, Gary. Uh, and he's just been on my podcast, Mega City Book Club, doing The Boys, the first volume, uh, The Name of the Game by Garth Ennis, yeah. Derek Robertson, who we're going to talk about in a moment, perhaps. Yes. Um, uh, and then coming up, I've got an episode uh, in two weeks, which is about Star-Lord, the uh, Strontium Dog Star-Lord years. Oh, nice. Good. And then there'll be an episode about Rock the God and Kickstarter with one Tony Esmond <laughs> coming up as well. <laughs> hopefully uh, all goes and then well. I think, yeah. Hopefully all goes well. And then after that, I think I've got an episode about, would you believe, Alan Moore's um, Lovecraft comics, Providence. Oh, wow. Okay. Have you got through them yet? Yes, Good I have, man. and it's going to be that's going to be a challenging one actually. Oh, yeah, I've, I have to say I, I've got I've got the hardbacks sitting here, and I keep meaning to go into them again, and uh, yeah. I kind of gave up a little bit. I think I maybe was on a Lovecraft overdose at the time. I think I need yeah. to sort of refresh myself a bit. Like there is a lot of Lovecraft about at the moment. There really so, is. Yeah. He's become really cool yeah. for a while, isn't he? There's a lot of Lovecraft podcasts yeah. and stuff as well. I know in the early days of our podcast, we had we had a guy, and I know Vince is very keen on his stuff, but yeah, yeah. In a sort of, it's back to the boys in a sort of almost tentacle porn Lovecraftian trace. You're, yes. The um, the boys is I think the the big difference between the TV series and the comic for me, which is something you mention a lot, is the fact that it's um violent but not sexual. The comics are when you've got hero gasm. Yeah. I don't think you've got to hero gasm yet, have you? Um, no. No. Christ Almighty. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the 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 Russian the attribute of the Russian character in one of the early trades of um, the boys, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, Right. It's, oh, yes. Yeah, it makes, an, a, yes. makes a very visible appearance. I think I've seen that panel. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's coming yes. up. Yeah. Um, good stuff, man. And you, what was the, 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 the. I haven't listened to it yet, but you did one on text novels as well, didn't you? Is that right? With. So, John Bird is yeah. uh, well known, Judge Dredd, number one superfan, did yep. one about the Michael Carroll 
novels uh, or novelizations about Dredd's brother Rico and his time on the prison moon of Titan. Yeah. Um, so interesting talking about the books and talking about Michael Carroll, who's a good guy, and then also talking a little bit about the fact that it upset Pat Mills a bit because yeah, I um, wonder. I haven't read those books, and I did wonder if that was the one that um, Pat mentioned because I think he wasn't given the option. Yeah. Yes, I don't think they asked him first was the problem, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. And he's had, a, he's had a few, you know, I think there's been a few, let's say, difficulties between Pat and Rebellion at the moment um, about that, about how much he got paid for the uh, the hardback reprints of uh, The Horned God. Yeah, and I like know, that. because that was the first cheap one, wasn't it, that comes out? It was, they run. put it out really cheap, didn't they, the sort of lost leader. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know Pat's a friend of mine, but the... the 2000 AD does occasionally confuse even the lightest fan <laughs> about how they do stuff yes. sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, without getting too <laughs> yes. much into it. Yeah, they do confuse let's, me sometimes. Let's say that. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the other thing that I've recently taken part with, and thank you very much, it arrived um, last couple of days, is you're running a little bit of a, a fundraiser on on Facebook as well, are you? So I've been, yeah, I've been making some room by selling off some trades and there's going to be some floppies next week. Uh, I've actually been doing this for a few years. When I um, I would get stuff signed at conventions. Do you remember conventions? Yeah, I remember Tony? once, yeah. Yeah, we, I used to, that's the only place I ever used to see you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Back in the good old days. Yeah. So I'd get stuff signed and I would auction it for Cancer Research UK. Um, and I've been doing it, actually, it's been doing it about five years. But as you say, I've did one recently on the facebook group and you bought one of them i missed out quickly. they go quickly don't they i missed out on them. they yeah. do yeah. yeah people snap them up there was a whole bunch of old 2000 ad hardback annuals from the sort of oh, wow. early okay. 80s and they went they went very quickly so yeah people donate on the uh, just give insight and i send them out some um, some books and comics and uh, there's a interesting milestone because i've kept a running total for the last five years oh, good stuff. And we've just crossed ten thousand pounds raised for cancer research. Oh, good man, good so, stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so great. sharing the love, clearing some room in this um, small office I'm in, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got um, I've got an office in cool. I've got an office uh, in a, a town over which I go and work from, right. and uh, I've started getting the comics delivered there now. Just it stops that oh, it right. stops the eyes of hate as the uh, the postman <laughs> arrives, you know. Um, and the other thing I was uh, listening to you talk about, which is something I one day must come along to, is the Eastern Contingent. So it's the oh, yeah. 2000 fans gathered together in a pub, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah just Unusually. a gathering yeah. of, of comic fans getting together in a pub. Um, John Burdis runs a one in London for the Southern Contingent, and Gary Hill again, our you know our friend Gary yeah. has set one up uh, in Cambridge. Okay, and uh, we've got together a couple of times before COVID hit, and hopefully one day we will do it again. And it's just it's um, it's just that it's a group of fans get together we usually go to forbidden planet and then we go to the pub oh, and nice. we have a drink yeah uh and then maybe one or two of uh you know like stephen austin who's done artwork for 2008 he turns up and he does sketches for pints so you know oh that's nice yeah cool because yeah. i often visit that forbidden planet because a pal of mine jason gunn is well jason wilson's his real name uh, but he writes he's done a couple of trades a couple of books for titan and stuff like that he's he's the creator of a comic of a video game character called medieval he lives he lives not far from there so we always walk into town by uh, right. planet so yeah, i might encourage him and we both pop along for the next one if we ever do yeah, yeah that world when ever we exists get one again. next year hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i mean that's the thing i've been hearing um we, i was talking to nobra about it about when when our next con is going to be and even mcm in may is looking a little bit dubious these days so we'll have yeah. to see 
Yeah. I think we'll be waiting to Thought Bubble 21. I know, I know. November. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Good oh, Nice one, man. And um, we'll say goodbye to now, and then we are going to continue talking for quite some time, but I've got a, a pile of notes here ready to go on the next one. So, uh, yeah, well, um, thanks for coming on, man. I always appreciate your suggestions. They're always uh, interesting. And actually, I've suggested something to you this time, which is going to leave leave on your plate to see if you fancy it yes or not. i'm gonna have a look at that yeah, yeah. See what you say. absolutely thanks for having me on again Tony. always a pleasure, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm monopolizing it a little no, bit no not at all yes. no i'm loving it yeah it's good stuff gotta get gary back on yeah yeah that's maybe what maybe i'll suggest um the same book to gary and we could do a, a double like a three a three amigos one if you want see what see what Ooh. he thinks yeah that'd be Fantastic. good yeah good stuff all right man i'll speak to you in a second thanks dude <laughs>